Here is the sermon based upon this passage in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the image of God. And when you look at the text with regard to this passage, I want you to see uh, what it is this passage, passage is referring to. That phrase, let us make man in our image, we've probably read that hundreds of times. Literally hundreds. How many of us have actually contemplated what all that means, that phrase? In other words, we read this phrase often, but what does it practically look like to say we are made in the image of God? Because interestingly enough, the Bible is not very explicit. This is what it is. Like here's a definition, image of God, and, and here's what it is exactly, explicitly. And yet the scriptures tie things together with this phrase, and it's right there in the passage, by the way, as well as the remainder of the scriptures. And just like everything else in the scriptures, Genesis seems to be very vague on details, vague on things, on purpose, it seems like. But it unfolds over the course of the scriptures. And by the time we get to the new covenant, it becomes crystal clear, if you will. Light is shed on the subject. And now we get the full understanding of this phrase. And it is no different when, when we're looking at this phrase. But what's important about this phrase is what the application is. And so we're going to look at this phrase in light of our walk with God. All right. So that said, I want you to look back at that text again. I think this is really cool. And I bring this up from time to time. This morning, I figured I'd just use a very simple chiasm that is found in scripture that you, you might just overlook all the time. And so when I talk about chiasms over and over, this is an example of scripture along the lines. So in the way that the Hebrew um, is written, right, the chronological order of words, the semantic phrase is different than our English. In our English, it's God created, but in Hebrew, it's so, then created God. So the very first word in the Hebrew sentence is that word created. We add the so in English, right? So you've got created at the beginning and created at the end in, in that sentence in Hebrew. After the creation or created is God himself. The very middle of the verse, of verse 27... When you look at it and the way it's read, in the chiasm is the image. So in Hebrew literature, and this was not unlike other uh, Semitic languages in the area, that was a very important tool to tell you what's the main point, right? The focus is on creation as far as the importance of what God is creating, but the, the message of the creation is our image, that's what the Hebrew writer wanted to focus on. And so you look at, again, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. That's what's stated. And that shows that the Hebrew writer is focusing on our image that is likened to God. That's huge. It's a major theme in the Bible, if you will, and oftentimes we think nothing of it other than a passing scripture here and there. We don't think of it as a major theme in the Bible. But it's so central to who we are and how we live, particularly today as Christians. Because we represent Christ. So as we look at the scriptures, note 
what this image initially was associated with, or what it looked like, if you will. Because we don't have the divine revelation explicitly saying, here's God's image and what it refers to, but we do gain a little bit of insight. I want you to go on to the third chapter. After this phrase is used, it's used again, right? So in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned and God has cursed them, look at what God says, and this will give us... um, an inference into what I believe is implied through the scriptures. Notice, after he sins, then he says in verse 22, the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. So we have to take care of the situation. Chapter one, verse 26, man was made in our image. Let us make man in our image. Chapter 3, verse 22, he's now like one of us, knowing good and evil, because he partook of that fruit of knowing good and evil. So God knew good and evil, man didn't, but everything outside of that good and evil, man was likened unto God. After he partakes of this fruit, he's even more likened unto God, knowing good and evil. Well, the problem was man chose evil. So that phrase gives us a little bit insight of what was not initially included. Man didn't have that knowledge of good and evil. That's the important part of this phrase. That's going to be um, crucial as we go along through the sermon. But you go further on, and we can know that whatever God's image is or was from the very beginning, it was closely tied to the text right there in chapter 1. So go back to chapter 1. Look at verse 26 and 27 and 28 again. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Well, what is, our li- what is this about then? Let them have dominion. Okay? So he says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So the first thing he says, I want man to have dominion. Rulership, if you will, to reign. That's what God said. Now, our vantage, human vantage point of this rulership and reigning may be skewed, but that's what God was wanting. And we'll see how that plays out in Scripture. Then he says in the Scriptures, God created him, um, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The Davis is only one hit. No, never mind. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Hey, nothing like keeping the word serious. (laughs) So be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over the earth. That's what he says. That was right there when he says, let us make man in our image. Dominion, multiply. And of course... He says the same thing after the world had been or the earth had been destroyed with a flood and Noah and his family are are on the ark and he's ready to leave and he reconfirms the covenant with man. He says, be fruitful, multiply, basically have dominion once again. And you can add meat to your list of things to eat now. So that's basically what we have. So whatever this image is of God that we've been made in, associated with is this dominion and with this being fruitful, so to speak. That's what he had from the very beginning. So when he looked upon all of that creation, he said, ah, it is very good. Well, notice none of the other of creation was made in the image of God, just man. 
That we're pretty much familiar with. We understood that. But notice then what we are supposed to do as God's creatures with dominion. Take care of this earth. Now, how are we going to do it? We're going to do it as those who rule through the image of God, in the likeness of God, through the wisdom of God, in the way that God would rule and reign. That's what we see. Now, we still haven't seen what that is, but that's what we've been told. So, as we go on through the scriptures, what we see is, and this was brought up in our Bible class this morning in the auditorium, what we see is we're not very good at that. We're good at tearing each other down. I mean, think about it. Even in the Lord's church, keeping it real, have we not had divisions? Have we not fought with one another? Have we not lorded over one another? That's true with elderships at times. It's true with like diatrophy members in the body of Christ. That happens. I mean, you're talking about Christians who can behave in very ungodly ways. So we've not always been the best at it, even as Christians. But when we look at the image of God and how we are supposed to reflect the image of God, Jesus came along. We are told in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus Christ is the express image. In fact, look at the text there. Oh, I love this. This is going to give us a lot of insight. This is where the light bulbs turn on for, for many of us. This passage here in Hebrews 1. All right, so I'm going to read the first three verses and then focus in on verse 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. There's our Old Testament scriptures has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Here's Jesus Christ. Here's the background to Jesus Christ. He whom God appointed heir of all things, there's that phrase having dominion over all things, heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He created. The idea of, of being created, or in our case, we're being procreation, right? Here's the idea of creation, the process. And he goes on to say, this Jesus, verse 3, is the brightness of his, that is God's glory. He is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Wow. Okay. Now, those of you who have your Wi-Fi connections and you can check out or use your Bible dictionaries, look at that phrase, express image. He is the exact character, that's the Greek word for image, the exact character of God. So when we're talking about God and us being made in his image, we're talking about having God's characteristic traits. When God made us, that's what we look like. So if we've got this mirror and we look at the person in the mirror, we know that that mirror is nothing but a reflection of the true individual, right? That, we know that. Our character reflects the very character of God. That's what that is saying. That's the importance of the passage. When God made us, he made us to have his character. Well, what does the character look like? Because he reigns and he creates. How does he do it? Well, that's why Jesus Christ came into this world. In addition to save us because of our sins, 
He gave us his life as a model of how we can separate ourselves from the world and see how he lived and emulate him, right? Aren't we supposed to walk in his footsteps? We have songs, hymns along those lines, walking in the steps of our Savior, doing things the way he does. That's what we have. So this morning, Steve was in 2 Corinthians 4. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 4. We'll go back to the earlier verses and see what, in fact, chapter 3, verse 18 following is where we want to head. But I want to save that verse 18 following later. I just want to get to chapter 4 for right now. I want us to look at this contrast between those who are in the image of God and those who, well, contrary to that image. In verse 1, since we have this ministry, right, ministry of preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of, oh, excuse me, uh, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Okay? So in other words, the apostle Paul and the other apostles and others like him that would go and share God's word were not doing it through deceit they were not doing it through false coercion they're simply doing it through the truth that god's word had revealed to the hearts of men and god was witness this was done in the sight of god so notice then but even if our gospel is veiled and here's where there's three words that are going to be repeated throughout as a theme in this section chapter three and four even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, that's why they're veiled, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You've got this veil, you've got glory, and you've got image. They're all associated in this theme in these two chapters, what we call Second Corinthian letter. They are blinded because their hearts are hardened. And as a result, they don't get to see the glory of Christ. They don't get to see the image of God in Christ. What they see in Christ is a blasphemer, not a savior. What they see in Christ is... It's a, a way of life, right? If I can use the word philosophy... The way he looks at, at life, his worldview, is contrary to their worldview. His is upside down thinking to them. As a result, they're blinded to his glory, to him being the image of God, because they see him as contrary to God. But to us, that's not the case. To those who have come to know Jesus Christ, that is far from the case. So look at what the, the apostle says to the brethren at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1 look at what he says in verse 15 picking up in verse 9 for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so there's your background that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Being fruitful, increasing in the knowledge of God. All of this playing a part. 
strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So basically what he's saying is, I want you to walk the way Jesus walked, that you may have his glory. Then he goes on to say then, in verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Just as Jesus is the new Adam, Romans chapter 5, we are new Adam, like new mankind, a new way of living in this world through Jesus Christ. He's the first and we follow after him. So what we have then is in Jesus Christ, the subject matter of God's character living throughout his life. And then we as followers emulate that character of Jesus. And when we do so, we walk worthy of the gospel call. That's the point of what he is trying to say here in this letter to the Colossian brethren. So with that in mind then, we learn that Jesus' image gives us insight into God's image. And that's why we have other passages. I mean, you can get into 1 Corinthians uh, 11. You got um, over here in Romans chapter 8. There are a number of passages that deal with this concept of image in various places. Now, look at the one in Romans 8, because we often use Romans chapter 8, and we read verses 28 and 29 through 31, and, and then also all the way through verse 39, in fact, and see this beautiful picture of how nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ, right? But notice what he, goes, what he says in the front of all of that so that we can live out to the glory of God. He says in verse 29, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's huge, okay? So again, this morning in our Bible study, Here's man, man has just one law in the garden. Don't eat this fruit. Perfect life, no sin is in this world. And what does man do? The one thing he's told not to do, eat the fruit. One thing. And ever since then, we see, even um, Genesis chapter 5, we see in Adam, in the, uh, Adam and Eve having a son. And what does it say? And he, that was Seth, was made in his image, right? So this continued on with this image of God theme, but even, even after man has been guilty of sin. We go all the way through that, and man is not portraying the image of God as God had intended from Genesis 1.26 until Christ came. But all along, there were hints pointing to the kind of image that we ought to have, and that is why you had passages that deal with the heart of man. That's where his character is tied to, what is his heart like? We talk about people's character. You know, one thing, kids, as a little parenthetical, don't look at the outward adorning of a person. Look at their heart. Do you see the image of God stamped on their hearts? Do you see someone whom God has, who God has changed, God has molded into the image of his son? You'll see the glory of Christ. You'll see beautiful blessings. 
Sometimes we get so caught up in the outward adorning. That's to our shame. He made us to see what God really looks like, what his character really is like, and Jesus emulated it perfectly. That is why he is the express image of God. The exact nature of God here on earth, dealing with human life every day. And what we get to see is how he lived that life out. Well, from a practical standpoint, then what we see is just as Christ mirrors God, Christians mirror Christ. That's what we're told. That's in essence, right? So what does that practically look like? Well, look at this. We'll look at these first two passages and then we'll see the application. 1 Corinthians 13, the passage about love, right? After he says, you know, love is perfect, he goes on to say, now we see in a mirror dimly, because their mirrors aren't as good as the ones we have today. Those kind of mirrors were kind of foggy mirrors, right? We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Very thing Steve was talking about. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Because we're going to be perfected. And as perfect individuals, we'll love perfectly. Right now we love, but we struggle because of the flesh and the spirit warring with each other. We don't always love perfectly. That's why we have fights and divisions even in the body of Christ. But if we are to be perfect people, we follow that passage in 1 Corinthians 13. We're patient. We're kind. We're long-suffering. Galatians 5 verse 22 following, fruit of the Spirit. That is the image of God. And then when we are translated, whatever all that means, into, into our eternal immortal bodies, we shall know just as we are known. We shall be face-to-face with God. No longer an image of God, but now face-to-face with him. All right? So that. And then go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what I want to tie in with it and what was stated in chapter 4. In contrast to those who are blinded, they're veiled over them, and they're not able to see the image of God through Christ. Look at what he goes to say. And this is where the application should be for us uh, today. So here's the church at Corinth, and as most of us in this room would know, the church at Corinth, worldly, worldly Christians. He doesn't want them to be worldly. He wants them to reflect the image of God. So look at what he says. In the text, here he says in verse 7 following, we've got this new covenant and the glory of this new covenant, but what that glory of the new covenant should translate into is changed lives. So with that, he says, he says in verse uh, 17, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So we're looking in this mirror, looking at our reflection in the mirror, and we're seeing the glory of the Lord. Why? Because you're seeing the image of, of God in this reflection. We're not veiled We're not blinded. We can see it. It may be a reflection and it may even be dim, but we can see it. We have a taste of God's image in our lives and through our lives. You get to see people who were worldly, hateful creatures of man. And you're like, wow, what happened to them? And in the modern vernacular, Jesus happened to them. Their lives have been transformed by the spirit of God. 
We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. That glory that we see of the Lord is what we are being transformed into. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The very same Spirit that gives you life. The same same Spirit that was there at the very beginning in which God said, let us create man in our image. That same Spirit gives life and transforms the heart of wicked, evil men that we were talking about last Sunday into the glory of God. When you see believers who are shedding off unforgiving spirit for forgiving spirit, going from impatient to long-suffering, going from only liking and, and, and helping their friends to loving their neighbors, what you see is the glory of God, the image of God through that person who's reflecting that glory. When God made man, that's what he made man to do. Now, what does that look like in our daily walk then? So, notice this. By bearing the image of God, this, well, Ron and Martha are not here, but Ron's favorite passage, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, right? He says very clearly how we ought to have this kind of humility. If we're going to have this image of God, here comes the king of kings, right? The creator of all the universe, Emmanuel, God is with us. And how does God, through Jesus, rule? How does he have dominion and reign? Well, what we see with him is humility. So that's why we look at a passage like Philippians chapter 2 in verse 5 where have this mind which is also in Christ Jesus. Well, what did that look like practically? Look at what he says in verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind esteem others better than himself. Is that how you reign? Is that how you have dominion? By esteeming others higher? As far as the world is concerned, that's backwards. If we are in the image of God and reflecting the image of God, what does God do? Well, he made us, and yes, he rules over us. How does he do so? Look at Jesus. How did he do it? I mean, when God created things, it was for us. Get that? For us. We think, from a humanistic perspective, if our perspective is worldly, that God just created us to be his toys, that he just eeny, meeny, miny, mo over us. What God has done is serving us through his amazing authority that he has. And yes, he has authority over us, no doubt about it. But how do he show that? By providing for us everything that we need to reflect his glory. So in a sense, he did it by serving, and that is going to come out in the other applications that we look at. So he says, look out not only for your own interest, but for the interest of others as well. Have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Here is the God of the universe coming in the likeness of man, making himself intentionally humbling himself to serve. He made himself, verse 7, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. It was not my will, but your will be done. Servant. So with that mindset, he loves the way God loves. 
So Matthew chapter five, verse 43, you've heard that it was said, you know, love your friends, hate your enemies mindset. I'm telling you, if you want to be perfect in heaven, verse 48 of Matthew 5, love your enemies. That's a simple law, simple truth. We fail at it miserably when we do not bear the image of God. That's the bottom line. What goes on between husbands and wives, parents and children, siblings, co-workers, you reflect the image of God, and sometimes you do it to the glory of God, and you reflect the glory of God through it, and sometimes you show yourself to be rebellion against the very will of God for you to be image bearers of him. And I do the same. But God wants us to bear his image, and we do it by loving the way he loves and here's the way we have dominion. Look at it from a practical standpoint. So Jesus is with his disciples, and the disciples are on their way, and, and they're all discussing, whispering, so that Jesus wouldn't hear them. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to be the one that will sit at the right and left hand of Jesus? Jesus says, what are you all talking about? Everyone quiets down. <laughs> if I do it, I'll look like <laughs> I was trying to uh, take over. He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom last well what does it look like in the church because we have elders right and elders are overseers of the flock well what did the apostle peter say how overseers oversee how they rule over the flock go to first peter chapter five sometimes we miss these things because we don't see the image of god stamped on from that standpoint in our eldership so Peter, who is an elder, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. That's like in the world, contradictory terms, serving as overseers. Well, how do you serve as an overseer? He goes on to say, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor being as lords over those entrusted to you, but how? Being examples to the flock. When you see godly leadership among our elders, they reflect the image of God. They reflect the very essence of what Jesus came into this world to show us in the image of God. That is why you have a passage here in in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, exemplified through Jesus himself in John chapter 13. The night in which we had the Lord's Supper, right? After he gets on, what does he do? He takes off his belt gets on his knees and he starts washing the feet of his disciples in their minds why would you do that you are above us you are greater than us and he says that's right i am so follow my example and humble yourself and serve that's how if you want to be the true shepherd like jesus is a true shepherd then we grow to become wonderful dominion rulers through serving. Wow. 
So that means we take care of the things that God has entrusted to us. God entrusts a family to parents. We serve our children. I still have to learn this. I mess up on this many times. As a leader in a community, we serve. Not as lords, and by the way, the way of the world lords it over us. That's why we have corrupt leadership. Every society has them. Because you have people that do not reflect the glory of God. They don't reflect the image of God. Instead, it's all for personal gain. That's why he says when elders don't do it for gain, you do it to serve by being examples, not lording. All of this is how we bear the image of God, practically speaking. You want to look at people that look like God? Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and other passages that are similar, and you will see the true character of God as was exemplified through Jesus Christ and through his children that look like Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying is, this is what we call transformation because our hearts are not desiring that when it's worldly. It's the opposite of that. We only do it when it's convenient. We love on our kids when it's convenient and then when it's not convenient, we we lord it over them. I've done it. We do it in the workplace if we are worldly. Look at those that bear the image of God, and you'll see their character very clearly. This is what God does to transform our lives when we die to self and are raised to walk in newness of life. Where the Spirit of God is given to us as a gift so that we can have the old man crucified and the new man renewed day by day because we bear the image of our holy God who created us for the very purpose of reflecting his glory. Now, if you're here and you're subject to this invitation call, think of this. He's calling you to be a new man. And he has promised you that you will be able to reign with him forever and ever. But to do so, you have to be different from the world. The world looks at greatness this way. God looks at greatness this way. (laughs) Upside down thinking. But you want to bear his image? You want to receive his glory? That's what he's taught us. It's a beautiful picture when you get there. It's hard in practice, hard in application, beautiful to have. And if you're willing to come to his kingdom, he'll change your life forever. You can do that by dying with him, being buried with him in the likeness of his burial through the watery grave of baptism, and you can raise to walk in newness of life. Why not do that right now? So you've got to be standing and sing.